Welcome to another edition of the Puro Pinche Primos. Hola, primo, primas. We are back. The Puro Pinche Primos back with another week. I'm Luis Velasquez. That is your primo, Christopher Costello. We are the Puro Pinche Primos. Christopher, yeah, what hey. is up? What's going on? Just kicking it. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for this episode, man. We're going to start talking NFL, getting geared up. It is almost time for training camp to start. Most exciting time of the year. Not Christmas, right? Not Thanksgiving, not anniversaries, which my anniversary is coming up next week, bro. I just, we gotta, I gotta <laughs> that's a good, yeah. don't forget that. Don't forget that one. But yeah, training camp is coming up. So many different uh, fandoms are already. Yeah, this is our year. Everybody's got hope. You know, even Detroit Lions out there, they're like, man, we got some hope. Uh, but we're going to start breaking down each each conference, each division. And we start that this week. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk football. Exactly. Yeah, I'm really excited about talking this division. <laughs> NFC West. I feel like there's so much controversy uh, between teams and also just kind of the QB situations, how those things have changed. So that's going to be exciting. Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, so what's going on, man? You were in Texas this last week? Scorching heat. Hot. <laughs> Unlivable. <laughs> Familia, yeah. man. I don't know how you guys do it down there, man. I mean, we are, I like to claim Texas true and true, man. But damn, man, it's so hot down there. Yeah, it gives me so much greater respect for, for everybody from San Antonio, but also obviously the whole state of Texas. I, yeah, I don't know how people do it. I I know it's hot when the people there think it's hot because I've been there when they're like, ah, it's not even that bad. I'm like, what? And this time, everyone was staying inside. I was like, no, it's really hot outside. I was like, oh, this is a scary time. This yeah, I was. Good when- I was texting my mom, and she sent me a text. And usually, like me and my mom, we go back when she says it's cold, right? And I'm like, mom, that's not cold. Like you don't know what you're talking about, right? She'd be like. Oh man, it's fifty degrees here, and I'm like, man, that's not cold. Like that's, you know, I mean, I li- I've lived in Nebraska, I've lived in in Virginia, I lived now in Idaho. Like that's not cold. That's that's shorts weather, right? But I was sitting there up with like, man, it's a hundred degrees over here. It's, a, it's, a, it's been a hundred and ninety, anywhere from ninety five to a hundred and two has gotten up so far. And I'm like, man, it's hot here. And she's like, that's not hot. <laughs> she hit me, but that's not hot. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that scares me too. When people are that comfortable with it. I can't do it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, being out of there now, back in New York, eighty-five degrees. I'm I'm good with that. I can live with that. That's that's doable. But yeah, speak heat everywhere. Speaking of hot, I don't know if you saw last weekend Wimbledon. No Jack, No Jack was Djokovic. Joke. I'm gonna call him the the tennis joker. Okay. Djokovic, he has been hot at Wimbledon, right? I'm watching it. I didn't realize that he has not lost at Wimbledon since 2017. Yeah, fourth consecutive title, and only only paused by uh, COVID, right? There was there wasn't more than 2020. Other than that, like he's been killing it. Call you can call him the king of Wimbledon. Are we ready to call him? The goat of tennis. That's a really good question. 
I, I say the goat of male tennis. Like Serena's the goat of tennis. Right. That's, yeah. But, you know, as far as the men go, I, I felt the same way hearing that when they mentioned they were like, oh, this is his seventh <laughs> Wimbledon title. It's like, who gets seven? <laughs> um, and I think he's going to end up the goat when it's when he's done, whenever his time comes, because Federer's near retirement. He fell out of the ranks this year for the first time. He's unranked for the first time in 25 years. And what we just saw at Wimbledon in the in the quarterfinals for Nadal, you know, winning that quarterfinals, getting into the semis, and then not, uh, I'm sorry, withdrawing from Wimbledon because of his injury. Right. Really, I think Djokovic is going to get some more, even though, you know, the thing now is that he's not going to attend the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. So he looked opportunities and he, he didn't attend the Australian Open. There was controversy in that tournament. So I don't know if, if, do you think that, that, that like, let's say Nadal does come back, he does participate in all of these events without having to face Djokovic and ends up with more than Djokovic. Do we put an asterisk on Djokovic or do you see him as the GOAT? No, nah, I think, honestly, like, it is crazy that we just have the if you if you guys out there are not into tennis right you should be into tennis right because honestly like right now men's tennis is the best it's ever been right can you imagine yeah, very true very true because we got honestly we got the three goats in tennis yeah. at the same time in the same era going back and forth imagine imagine basketball and you had Jordan and LeBron and Magic playing at the same time, right? Or, you know, Jordan, LeBron, Kareem all playing at yeah. the same time. So you no longer had like had to play the guess, you know, who could be better. Right now, tennis, you could just see it, right? I think you're right. Federer is like, he had the GOAT status, I would say, for the last like 10 years, right? He's had the GOAT status. He was winning. He was dominant like no other. Then him and Nadal started coming in and I started winning some. Um, As far as Djokovic, Djokovic sneakily to me started creeping up. Like I didn't realize. I knew he was up there. I didn't realize that he already had this one was going to take him past Federer. Right. So right now, when it comes to Grand Slams, you got uh, Nadal's got 22. Novak's got 21. Federer's got 20. And after that, Sampras was 14, right? And we remember when we were kids, like Sampras was was the man, right? I, I, we didn't, I didn't think anybody was ever going to be better than Sampras. And now we got three dudes currently playing right now that are way better than Sampras. And it's crazy. But I mean, Nadal, yeah, Nadal, Russ, yeah. Conversation of who's ever going to get more than 14. Right, and, and I think it's also crazy the amount of football, basketball, and even baseball that we watch. That like we had no exposure as small kids to tennis, and that was kind of what you brought up um, before about like how we became tennis fans because there was nothing to watch in the summer, and all of a sudden Wimbledon is everywhere, right? And so how much that that uh, I'm sure that was also that same summer uh, where we talked about like we watched the OJ Chase. In the Bronco, <laughs> in the finals, which is was an insane, still historically insane, right. game seven, 
series between the Knicks and the Rockets. Right. I remember like the picture in picture they had going on. (laughs) (laughs) You're watching the game and then they had the Bronco in the small picture. Just like, we don't know what's going on. I, I remember too also being like, why are they interrupting the NBA Finals for this chase? How American of a thought is that? They're like, I'm not even thinking that the chase is that important. It's like, yeah, that happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, why is this case so important? And then finding out that it was OJ and being like, oh, yeah, we should pay attention to this. Yeah. But, I mean, Novak, like I said, Novak, I, like, he's not done yet, right? And and I think, honestly, like, the, the slams that he's not going to be going to because of the vaccine and stuff might actually help him out as far as saving his body. Because I mean, the hard the hard courts belong to Nadal, right? So like the U.S. Open, the Australian Open, those those are those are hard courts, right? And uh, those belong to Nadal. So I don't think that Djokovic, barring any Nadal injury, would even have a chance at those Grand Slams because Nadal is just so dominant on those kind of courts. Yeah, I, I think um, you know. He's also, you know, for like the clay courts and how much Nadal like owns the clay that I, I think it actually hurts him in the long run because it gives Nadal a chance to knock out some possible championships before he goes. Because I, I see it as Nadal like ending his career before Jokic. And you had a really great point. Is it? Djokovic plays, when you watch him, he plays younger than Federer or Nadal. Right. And really important, right? Like how, like when we think about like LeBron, LeBron doesn't look his age or his experience in the league because he's still like dominates in these very kind of young way. Like LeBron will still run down the lane and dunk on you. And that's like Absolutely. a young man. Right. right? Like that's what Tom Moran too. But in tennis, right? I, I keep going off subject to other sports. In tennis, I think one of the things is just that if you still look fresh, you got a really good chance to win, especially as an older player, because you have so much experience. Yeah. I think also, like, we have to think about, um, I think, like, Federer's done this year, right? Like, I, he's, it's a wrap for him. I think maybe he's got one more tournament. He's, he's injured now. Maybe he'll have, like, one last farewell tournament or something. Uh, I think Nadal maybe has two years. Like, he's been, he's been in and out. Um, but I mean, he just won. Uh, what he win? He won the Australian and the French, right? This this past year. So I mean, he's still out there dominating, winning. But I think he's got them two years. I mean, the way the way that uh, Novak looked, though, man, he could be in there for another five. And I think that he he's gonna keep pace. He's gonna he's not gonna surpass Nadal while Nadal's still playing. But I think that when Nadal's going to retire well before Novak, and Novak will take over. Yeah, I think what's going to be interesting about this U.S. Open is that I don't expect Nadal to be able to come back to be able to really play at a high level at tournament. And if Djokovic is not going to compete and Federer is where he's at physically, I mean, this is really interesting for tennis as to these, we talked about this last week, like this era, end of an era of GOATs. Who's going to be the next like up and, and coming um, tennis stars? And the U.S. Open is a really great place to Kyrgios, to man. Kyrgios. I hope he gets better. I hope he like I'm all in on Kyrgios. 
Yeah, watching Curios, right? Uh, I, I thought he looked the most humble I've ever seen him when he was receiving his trophy uh, at Wimbledon, right? <laughs> yeah. Like he seemed like a person. Like it was like, oh, this might be who you really are. You might not be like an asshole. There might be some humility to you. <laughs> um, I thought it was uh, Djokovic spoke highly um, of him before and after. You know, even in the in his own speech, there's a pretty good amount of time that was dedicated to him. But my question for you was this, and I thought it was really interesting, and I guess I just never noticed it. But the uh, Kate Middleton, yeah, right, uh, the Duchess, right, Catherine Middleton, future Queen of England, presented uh-huh. the trophy. Right. Now, you know, this is more, I guess, social political, but like, do you think that that should be the person that presents this to the athletes, like? I don't understand how that's like symbolic of like, is that mean like, Oh, we even got the future queen to come and do this or do they have even any like sporting events in that way? Yeah. I mean, I think it's all for show, right? Like even that whole, the whole, you know, queen of England, like they, there's not really power there. Right. It's just like, to me, it's just like the UK, like, trying to be like all above like we're more proper than everybody else and so we have a queen right and so like there's no real power there it's all real show and it's i mean it's just part of the show when you think of england you think about the royal family and so there's there it's it's whatever to me but isn't isn't it weird that they like that people still acknowledge them as king and queen like i think it to me it's so odd that people like still go with this like yeah absolutely like ways it is like and like how we as Americans are supposed to care. Like, what happened? I think it was last month. There was like, I don't know, like an anniversary of the Queen of England been for so long, and it was all over the TVs, and they were showing parade. Like, why do we, as especially as Americans, why are we supposed to care so much about them? And we they're all over our tabloids, and it's just I don't know. I don't get it. But I, you know, I'm not from England, so I don't know what what the deal is. Yeah, it's odd to me. I don't understand how people. I thought the best thing that I saw of like because they keep showing them throughout Wimbledon, right? Throughout throughout the final match, um, for you said like for the show and to be like, oh look, these people's presence, and uh, they cut right away when he started doing it. But the the son that they took, they have two uh, boys um, and a daughter. But the 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 last time the the younger son was like acting really bratty with with her and i thought what was interesting was that they caught the older son this time straight digging in his nose and that was my like <laughs> fate, fate. So I was like, yes these are the proper people and this child is digging in his nose which also is like what child is not digging in their nose. yeah what it what i'd like when i started seeing that i saw the kid there i was like i feel bad for the kid right because i was like yeah. man like he he already has to be proper right yeah, he already at this age, like he's got to be all dressed up, going to this, you know, <laughs> going to this championship, and he's already, you know, he sits up straight. And I was like, when I saw him picking his nose, I was like, oh, finally, he's a kid. You know, good yeah, for yeah. the kid. He's gonna be a kid there for a little bit, but I'm sure he got hell when he got home. Right? We don't do that. <laughs> We're royalty. <laughs> so the uh, the female. I, what do you think about the female? Uh, What's her name? Elena R- Ryba. Uh, I can't. I'm a but Rybakina. I think so. I think that's how you say it. Yeah, she uh, she came in. She dominated the the women's side. Um, she didn't lose a set the whole first week. Not a set at all. The whole yeah. first week of the tournament. 
I think she's up and coming. The whole controversy of Wimbledon not uh, allowing Russians to play, but then she, what does she claim? She's she's Kazakhstan. Okay. Yeah. So what are you, what are your thoughts on that? I, you know, I think it's interesting that we know she's from Moscow, which, like, if she really is Russian and then is repping another country to go win Wimbledon, it would be like the most Russian thing that you could do, right? Like, straight out of the <laughs> Russian playbook. Right. <laughs> By fraud shit. Um, but also, I think that, like, it's, it's really difficult to. I feel like oust athletes right. from situations. But yet, I think in the case of like Russians, is like how much are these Russians, because, only because they've been caught before. This is not me being like, all the Russians are crooked. But <laughs> the fact that they've been caught, in at least with their Olympians, you know, using substances that they weren't supposed to be using. And so I think those are the things that come up is like, if she's not someone who's like breaking the rules in that way of like there would be like substance use i kind of don't really care like let let this yeah. woman play i think the whole thing the whole thing to me was just weird like how do you say i mean i get what they're trying to do i guess like when when will then just want to put the stamp like we don't agree with what russians doing in ukraine which i get it right but like where do you, to me it's like where do you stop Right, like you're ousting this these Russian tennis players from what their government is doing. Where does it stop? Because I mean, you can go to different countries. You go like, what if they did that to us? Like, hey, the stuff your government is doing to women, bam, American players, you can't play because we don't agree with yours. Right, and so where do you stop? Where's the line? Um, I think I I think they was overblown and just I mean, unless like you could prove that they have direct ties to the government. And what they're, you know, it's, yeah. you know, exactly. like, why, yeah. would, why would you ban these players? This is weird. But, yeah, like, I, I feel like with those situations, that's where you don't want to stop things like competitive sports, because that's the way sports is like a bridge. It's why we have the Olympics, right? Like, because you can try and create some sort of middle grounds with the, like, sacrifices that athletes make to, like, pursue their goals. All right, starting out in our first segment of this show, we promised that we would bring everyone reviews of every division in the league. We're starting this week with the NFC West. So I don't know where you want to start, Louis. What team you want to start with in the NFC West? We'll follow your lead. Yeah, man. I mean, the NFC West, obviously, it's the home of the Super Bowl champions, LA Rams. Um... We can start. I mean, might as well, let's start with them. L.A. Rams. They won the Super Bowl this last year. They really didn't lose anybody. They lost Von Miller. Uh, they lost uh, who else? Did they lose? Oh, they Andre Whitworth. Uh, their left tackle who re, for retirement and uh, Robert Woods, who is now a Tennessee Titan. Um, that's it, right? OBJ. Who knows what he's gonna do? Maybe he's he'll come back. Um, but other than that, like I feel they got better. They got uh they got Allen Robinson. I know you're really high on him. They yeah. got they got Bobby Wagner as a linebacker. It, right. Like high from like being the chance of having like even more veteran leadership. Yeah, for real. So now you, you gotta think like 
That defense is so legit already to add a guy like a tackling machine like Bobby Wagner to that defense. Yeah. It's going to be crazy that offense with Cooper Cup. They got Cam Akers coming back. Um, I mean, it's not, it's not, I don't think it's an outrage to say that they, they, they should probably be the favorites this year to go back to the Super Bowl. Yep. Yeah, no, that's, they, they, they didn't miss with the formula, right? Like they realized like, oh, we got something special. Like this can continue to win. And those, those two guys that you mentioned, I think they just like, they added like a depth that let's say you somebody tweaks something you you don't miss a step right which is usually kind of the adjustment like you have these incredible guys that are going to be there. i just think about how quick bobby wagner will be behind someone like an aaron donald <laughs> right so you like yeah, finally doubled aaron donald and you got through the hole but now bobby wagner's up on you right so those things i think for the rams i agree with you i think they're in a great position and you know that coach is not going to leave things the way they are right McVay is gonna like come up with some more creative stuff got a year with that offense yeah how close do you think we are to putting Sean McVay as a top tier all-time coach if he gets one more he's already there he's there it's one more ring right even with all the personnel he has like the how difficult it is to get one and for like him to be able to do that, because he's already been to two, right? Yeah. Like they lost. He comes back to the second one. And he wins one. Usually, I feel like coaches that get there and lose like twice, like they either don't get back there or they just keep losing. And I think about that. Yeah, and he's still so young, bro. Like he still has. He's been a coach for a lot of years now, and he still has players that are older than him on his team. And uh, anybody like he, he's already developing a coaching tree. Right, anybody that's been close to him gets a coaching job. Um, he, I don't, I don't think he's forty yet. Right, I think he's about thirty eight, thirty nine years old. I don't, I don't think so either. I think he's still, yeah, um, yeah. He's such a young guy, but he strikes me as a guy that is pretty open, collaborative, but also very much like this is like decisive. Right, yeah. he's gonna make. Sure He's only 36. So 36? Good Lord. Jesus Christ. He's younger than both. What are we doing with our lives? Yeah. Man, but but he, yeah, I was going to say this about him, right? If you look back to where like his experiences came from, he was also like mentored by legends. And so like how much does mentorship count in anything that you do, right? Where like how well you can perform or do your job when you have had really great leadership. And that's as Spurs fans, we know I'm going to throw that in there, right? Like the coaching tree of Popovich and like how much that matters to like really because guys aren't under these guys for like one year, right? There's like years of watching and observing these incredible mentors and then being able to branch up. Yeah, absolutely. So, LA, uh, I mean, LA, Vegas has, uh, the LA Rams as, a to win the over under as far as wins at 10 and a half. What do you got? Over or under? Wins? Yeah, just wins out of 17. We got a 17 game season now. They've got the, the bet. They got them at 10. They got 10, 10 and a half. I'll get out of here. Over. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. It's, they, but they are, the, I think the reason it's ten and a half is because they have uh, the number one uh, hardest schedule in the league coming in. I guess. So I mean, any given season, right? Like, right. 
Like anything can happen. We've seen like championship teams fall, but I don't know that those teams had like zero changes and the upgrades that the Rams got. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, Vegas has them at nine wins for the season. Um, me personally, I would take the under on that. I'm not high on the Cardinals this year. They got a lot of controversy going on with their QB as far as yeah, distractions. Yeah, distractions. They've lost. Uh, they lost. They've lost Chase Edmonds. They lost Chandler Jones. They lost uh, Christian Kirk. Um, just yeah, I don't see them getting to nine wins. That they, last year, they started out hot, right? They started out seven and zero. Kyler Murray was, you know, top MVP candidate, and then like the wheels fell off real quick. And um, they they've made some additions this year. I mean, Marquise Brown uh, from Baltimore. They got they got Will Hernandez, who I, I, I'm a big fan of. He's a guard out of uh, the Giants. Um, but they did nothing for their defense, right? They nothing. And I feel like with the loss of Chandler Jones, like everything's gonna go on JJ Watt, which he's not ready for, right? He he's way past. Yeah. Carrying a defense. Batman. He's way past carrying a defense. He's way past carrying a defensive line. Right? So you got... You where, got did, well, where did Jones go? Jones went to the, the Raiders. The Raiders? Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Wait till we, we ain't got to the, to the AFC West. That's going to be a whole different conversation. But... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd be yeah. last. They've got... They've got Buda Baker in the secondary and then like really nothing else. Right, so you you got JJ Watt. I like. I'm a big fan of Isaiah Simmons, who's out of Clemson. He he's a baller as far as, as linebacker. Um, but they don't like they they've definitely put all their chips in like being a, being a team in the offense that scores 30 more points, and you're gonna have to outscore us, right? And that's just kind of yeah. the Cliff Kingsbury way, right? Texas Tech way, New Braunfels unicorn he, way, right? He's slinging it, which I think is why they got. Uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown yes. because you know they needed to replace the gaping hole that, that was left by the once highest paid wide receiver in the game in Christian Kirk. <laughs> Godly. Yo. <laughs> Yo, can you believe this shit? Anyways. They, you're right. I think they have more questions. I, I didn't think that they were as in, in bad a position until you just listed all the stuff that you just mentioned. And now that I think about it, I'm like, yeah, like... Those distractions, when you got weaker on your roster, they make a difference now because you can't give up anything else when you have those distractions, and they they have a lot to make up for. Yeah, because I feel um, I feel like Kyler Murray is gonna like have a season where he's like he needs to prove something, right? He's trying to earn a contract. They are uh, they you know they're already battling about his contract. And he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna push for it, and he just he's not gonna have the weapon. Like DeAndre Hopkins will be back. Is he gonna be healthy? Right, but they I mean they don't have a running back really. They're just I don't know, man. I don't I don't, I'm not a big fan of Cliff Kingsbury That's either. James Conner. Yeah, James Conner, but James Conner like he's not. He's a year it? older. Yeah, he's a year. I don't feel like like Conner's not an all. Every down number one back, right? He he needed Chase Edmonds there, right, to help him, you know, relieve him a little bit. And uh, 
He's not going to have that now. The over-under, nine wins for the Cardinals. What you got? For whatever reason, the 17 somehow makes it feel like so much longer in just counting records. But uh, I'd probably say under, um, just based off of like their own division. Like the fact they got to play Rams, so that's, that's got to be two L's right there, just on their own. But, um, and I don't know that they'll beat San Francisco with that defense. Um, yeah, I would say under for them. Um, next up in this division is the Seattle Seahawks. All of a sudden, they just became so boring. Like, now, like, don't even get out of They're getting owned by the U.S. Open. Yeah, see, I mean, the Seahawks are, are just out here getting owned by the U.S. Open right now. You got DK Metcalf and then, like, nothing else, right? DK Metcalf, Rashad Penny came on at the end of the year on their offense, but that was with Russell Wilson, right? Like, what is he going to be? Like, what... It's, just, it's gonna be bad. Like they'll be battling. To me, Seattle Seahawks are are in it for the number one pick this year. Like they there's there there's a lot of a lot of QBs coming out of college. They're gonna be really good this year, and so I think that's what they're gearing their future towards. I feel like if that's the case, and they're not really looking that deep into the future, they gotta release those two that wide receiver duo that they got over there uh, because they're gonna waste basically the end of Lockett's career and you got TK Metcalf that I, I mean I would think that that man would want out if they go into a season where they bullshit and don't really try to win um, I feel like they have no choice but to go and get uh, Garoppolo because this is the time like you need to go get that man because he's going to want a job he's capable of, ha- of holding the job and he knows that division Right, so he's gonna be able to be able to like a red formation on those defense. Um, I think you have to go get him, even if you don't plan on winning. I mean, you have to sell tickets and try to keep DK Metcalf in that city. Yeah, to me, the fact that they don't really have him yet, to me, screams like we're not trying to win this year. We're not the way we've got I, like we're resetting, we're tanking. Hopefully, we can get. Uh, CJ Stroud from Ohio State as our QB, but they're they're not trying to win. I don't I don't see them like they I mean the over under for them for Vegas is at uh five and a half. Damn. Right. So they Vegas also doesn't doesn't see them as, as anything. And I, and I would actually I would go under. Like I don't Yeah, I, don't, I might go under. Yeah. I think I Yeah. Maybe that. <laughs> yeah. Um Last on this list, which I'm actually really interested in talking about. I think that they have interesting storylines and drama, but also they're an interesting team to me, is the San Francisco 49ers. I think San Francisco, when I think about them, the first thing that I think about, because I feel like he's the face of that team after last year, is uh, is Debo. And the fact that they still got a contract dispute with him. But... The one of the positives they were saying is that Debo he showed up to camp at least, which is a good sign, right? He's willing to be there, negotiate. Maybe he's also just that's what he's doing because either that's the type of guy he is, or he's showing that other teams like I'm a team guy, so come get me. 
But either way, where do you fall on this Debo contract negotiation, especially after what we know has happened to us as Tennessee Titans fans and not giving the wide receiver the money? Um, I, I, f- I find it. Uh, I think it's over. Like I think this contract, this whole thing. I think he's gonna play. Debo is gonna be a 49er for for this year. I think that uh, that with uh, Trey Lance coming back. I mean, not coming back, but with Trey Trey Lance uh, looking like he's gonna be the number one QB. Like they realize that they they need Debo there to help with the transition again. Trey Lance to become to become a star. So. Um, eventually they'll pay him and I think maybe we'll see like a, a, a mid-season contract signing with him but I think that whole it was it was a lot of smoke with Debo a lot of you know unfollowing following but uh, I think they work it out and the fact that, that he's still 49er now I don't think he's going anywhere do you think that the Trey Lance move is that they're like, we might as well just move on because he's the guy we have for the future. Or that they're like, oh, no, we already know he's better than Garoppolo. Or both. I think they realize, I think they they have the roster that can take them to a Super Bowl. They have a roster that can win a Super Bowl. That defensive line may be the best defensive line. In- Do you think that? You yeah. think they can make the Super Bowl? I think so. I really? think so. But I don't think they can do that with Garoppolo. I think they can make they can make the playoffs. I think maybe they can win a game, you know, or two in the playoffs with Garoppolo. But for them to make that leap into the Super Bowl, I think they're going to need somebody that can push the ball down the field. And so Trey Lance can gotcha. do that. Now, he's going to... He's going to mess up. Like, this is going to be his first year, right? So he's going to have a lot of mess up. Hurt, Hopefully for them, that's early in the season and he gets a flow and he starts doing that. But with Trey Lance, they're going to have the opportunity to go deep like they, they didn't with with Garoppolo. So what do you think about their running back situation? Because I feel like that's the thing they're going to need for Trey Lance to rely on. Because of what you just mentioned, where they eat like rookie quarterbacks make mistakes. They're not polished. They're you sometimes you need to take the ball out of their hands, right? Like, do you think that Trey Lance and Elijah Mitchell are a, a backfield that can handle the like management of a year, like sustaining them, getting them through a whole season into a Super Bowl? With Sh- Shanahan's system, right, has always been a running back, you know, uh, a running back system. Like you can plug and play anybody, right? With Shannon going back to his father. Uh, you know, he was coaching at Washington and coaching at uh, in Denver, right? Just that whole Shanahan system has always been like you. Anybody can come and play running back. And shout out Elijah Mitchell, helped me get to the finals of fantasy football last year. Okay, so appreciate him. And he he was definitely was definitely decent, man. He was definitely stepped up. But they did lose Raheem Mostert to Miami, right? And they they drafted the dude uh from LSU. Uh, what's his name? Tyrion Tar- Davis Price. That's what his name. Tyrion Tyrion Davis Price. Something like that. From LSU, which was a big pickup, I think. And he's gonna. He might, to me, because of the system, and I think he's a little bit more skilled than Elijah Mitchell. Once he figures out this NFL game, he'll take over for Elijah Mitchell by the end of the season. So 
The running game, yeah, running game is always going to be there for for a team like the 49ers, for a team coached by Shanahan. The win of King Yep, it's time for the Wheel of Chingadera spin number one. Oh, here we go, primo. ESPN has come out. It is that time. It is that time of year where we start talking football and we come up with every way, shape, and form to talk about football because there's just nothing going on else in sports. ESPN comes out with their top 10 list. They came out with the quarterback list. They came out with the running back list. We're about to dice it up. QB list right now. Let me break it down to you, Primo. At number 10, Dak Prescott. Number 9, Deshaun Watson. Number 8, Russell Wilson. Number 7, Justin Herbert. Number 6, Matthew Stafford. Number 5, Joe Burrow. Number 4, Tom Brady. Number 3, Josh Allen. Number 2, Patrick Mahomes. And the number 1 quarterback, according to... ESPN is Aaron Rodgers. Now, that is the fake list. ESPN, they're not a really credible organization. We're going to give you the Budo Pinche Primos credible top 10 list. Who you taking out? Who you moving around? What you got, Primo? All right. So, I think one of the things that ESPN definitely got right was the snub of Lamar Jackson. Uh, how can you leave that man out of this list? So, He's definitely one of the guys that's going. There is definitely no way that I am going to let any list of mine have Deshaun Watson on it. Get out of here. So for me. Pendejo. Gone. Bye, Immediately replacing Lamar Jackson similar times as well. But the other guy that I couldn't be, I couldn't like have on my list, even though I'm a nice guy, I like him. I root for him even sometimes. But Dak Prescott is not a top 10 NFL quarterback. No way is this guy in the top 10. So my top 10, right? He actually might be nine, uh, but definitely top 10 is Derek Carr from the Las Vegas Raiders. Gotta put that dude in. Give that dude his respect. Go look at the numbers. Go look at the numbers. And then also just what he had to go through last year with that team and the tragedy with Henry Ruggs. But, and also losing his head coach um, with that scandal in Las Vegas. But Derek Carr is the guy for me. Who's your replacements, your edits, the guys that you're trying to remove from that list? Primo, it's almost like we're related, Primo. I don't know what's going on, yeah. but absolutely, Deshaun Watson, get your ass out of it. Like, don't get on this list. Not only for everything that you are as a human being. That I don't want you anywhere, anywhere near my list. But just, I mean, you did. You took the whole year off. You took the whole year off. I don't know what. Exactly. How is he on this list when last year he threw for zero yards, had zero touchdowns, he had zero. So you have to get out of here. Um, and then I like I replacing him, no doubt is is Lamar Jackson, right? He's continuously disrespected. ESPN, you continually disrespect this man. This man belongs on the list. He belongs above. Like, I put him right now, probably six. Right? I've I, I got him above. I, I got him above Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I'm above Stafford. Yeah, I got him above Stafford. Like, Stafford, he's barely on my list. Right? Like, I get it. Like, he, 
he won the Super Bowl last year. He had a squad around him, but I don't think like they didn't win the Super Bowl with him. I mean, he's top ten. Like I'll give him top ten, not disrespect, but I don't think he's he should be that high. But I also got Derek Carr in there, right? I got Derek Carr, and then I have to get rid of the the black uh, Kirk Cousin, right? AKA Dak Prescott, right? Yeah, got to get rid of him. He's out of here. He's just um. I don't know, man. Like, he's got numbers. I get it. Right? But he doesn't transfer that into wins. He chokes in the big time. He's not He's not top 10. I'll give him top 15. Right? I can give him top 15. But top 10, above your boy, Derek Carr? No. That guy is legit. He should be on this list. Um, I also like this. Yeah, go ahead. Like, is Dak Prescott being called the Black Curtis? That's him. That's that's his name from now on. The black, I mean, that's there's no doubt about it. Um, that's gonna be money. <laughs> also, like I don't know, I think I have Pat, Patrick Mahomes above Aaron Rodgers right now because I don't know what Aaron Rodgers. So this is supposed to be a projection of, the, of this season coming up, right? And I don't know what Aaron Rodgers is gonna be without anybody to throw it to. So I think uh, Patrick Mahomes should be number one. I think Justin Herbert at seven. Is disrespectful. He's definitely a top five QB to me. And I think Tom Brady, even though he's the GOAT, like he should be toward the end of the top ten and not in the top five. Okay. Okay. I don't I don't know if I agree with all those moves. I do think though that we agree that Dak Prescott is not a top ten quarterback. And I think that's big for the Dallas Cowboys. Who's that? What's it? Who's that? What's his name? Dak Prescott. Oh, the black Kirk Cousins. Got you. Got it. My bad. Here you go. <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's go over the top ten running back real quick. Um, running back list is it's kind of difficult. There's not a lot of good running backs, honestly, in this league, right? I think there's a tier of of the top five. Um, but we'll go real quick over their list right now. They had number ten Devontae Williams, number nine Aaron Jones, number eight Najee Harris, number seven Christian McCaffrey. Six, Joe Mixon. Five, Alvin Kamara. Four, Dalvin Cook. Number three, Jonathan Taylor. Nick Chubb, number two. And of course, of course, the man, the king himself, Derrick Henry. Uh, that was a great intro. I, You know, I think on this list, it's hard to disagree with Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor, especially after Taylor's year last year. I might put just because of what he does in the in the pass catching is uh, Dalvin Cook above uh, Nick Chubb, but and then also like I might even move Kamara up above Nick Chubb and drop Chubb down to to fifth from third. But um, you know, Mixon, McCaffrey, I don't really have a problem with Najee Harris. I think he's gonna he might have an even better year this year. Uh, and Aaron Jones, I mean. I have to give it to him. Aaron Jones is like one of my favorite backs to watch because I think he does a little bit of everything. And he's, I like just like the way he runs. He looks smooth every time he's on the field. Um, my guy that I had to get rid of, I, I had to remove Javante Williams. But I had to put in one of my favorite running backs, not just to watch play, but also in fantasy, Austin Eckler. I had to go with Austin Eckler in that 10 spot. <laughs> Again, what is going on? I want to say we did not go over these lists that we had together, okay? 
we we wanted to keep it separate and just talk about it. But I also, I agree. I agree. Everything. I want to take Devontae Williams off. I would also add Austin Eckler in there. Um, I do agree. As far as the top tier goes, it's King Henry and then it's Jonathan Taylor. I don't think like Nick Chubb needs to get down. He's not the same. Jonathan Taylor proved himself last year. He should be number two. I also just keep an eye out. And we forgot about this dude. And I can't put him in the top 10 because he didn't play last year because he got hurt. But J.K. Dobbins from Baltimore who got hurt early last season. Like last year he was he was hot at the beginning of the season. Um, he's he's going to have something to say. And, he, and don't be surprised if he creeps up top five running back. There, yeah, yeah. He had some big, big games, big yardage for that team that likes to, to, to put it on the ground. Yeah. All right, let's go. Number two. On the Willa Chingadera. Ooh, LeBron James comments about Brittany Griner. So, though, if you've heard our episodes before, we talk about Brittany Griner. She's in Russia right now. She's locked up. Uh, she's actually going through trial right now. And, like, everything in this country revolves around LeBron James. And what he says is always controversial. Either you like it or you don't. Uh, he came out with a comment uh, to say, uh, you know, how I don't what what his, I don't remember what his direct uh, quote was, but uh, if if he was her, why would she come back to uh, to America? We didn't have her back or something like that. Do you have the Do you have the quote? Yeah, I got it right here. Uh, he said, "Now, how can she feel like America has her back? I would be feeling like, do I even want to go back to America?" Yeah, so what do you think about those comments, Chris? What is, I mean, is it controversial? Uh, you know what? I think in context of what LeBron James is trying to say, like, these are conversations we would have, right, like, in our homes. I think his sentiment is just, you know, she must feel so alone. But I think what it comes off as, and even, like, in reading the text, is, like whether or not she would even be almost like uh like patriotic anymore right like i think you could take it that far right and then that's what i think people want to turn lebron into somehow that he's like anti-american or not like a patriot uh, for whatever reason to continue to hate on lebron but i think that we know where he was coming from but I don't think it's it's anything like a big deal. Like I think that a lot of people are probably thinking about this with regards to how Brittany Griner may be feeling in that jail in Russia right now. Yeah, so I think he's coming from a point of not only what's happening to Brittany Griner, but just as an African American, right? How the history of this of this country treats African Americans, how the history of this country treating again, going back to our last episode or two episodes ago, how the uh, we treat lgbtq and also how we treat women like is this uh you know this country you anybody wants to come back to like i don't i honestly have questions if this is a country that i want to stay in right that's a literal conversation i've had with my wife of what's going on here but i mean if you if you hate lebron you know people are going to hate him and they're going to hate him even more for this i always i always find it crazy to me i always find it crazy to me is that the moment that you uh, say anything about this country, people are all like, well, you can leave. Like, the, like we don't want to make this country better, right? 
So this country is automatically perfect. So you can't say anything. So if you can't say anything about this country, nice. Then you need to leave instead of trying to make it better. All right, let's go. One more turn on this wheel of chingadera. Oh, NBA offseason, man. NBA trades. The NBA, to me right now, has had one of the best offseasons it's ever had. With KD, with with trades going on, with Kyrie. There's just so much to talk about what the NBA is doing right now. Uh, NBA NBA trades, I wanted to talk. The, the wheel wants us to talk about. Um, is is what is your favorite trade? Has made it anybody a contender or a pretender? Yeah, I think two trades that stand out to me are. Uh, I'm naming the teams that I think got better from these trades, but Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks traded for Dejounte Murray from the San Antonio Spurs, All Star Dejounte Murray to pair in the backcourt with All Star Trey Young. And so that duo, right, immediately means that makes that team better. I think it takes a lot of pressure off of Trey Young to look terrible on defense because now DeJounte Murray is excellent, led the league in steals, is going to be, you know, a defensive stopper on that end. And now DeJounte Murray also doesn't have to worry about the same amount of offense. I think that they get better. I don't necessarily know that they're still in the top half of the East. How much do you think that that made the Hawks or the Hawks contenders or pretenders now that they have DeJounte Murray? Um, yeah, I think contender for what, right? Contender to win the championship? No, they're not a contender to win the championship. Uh, they're going to need one more like top tier player or really good, really, really good supporting cast, right? In order to do that. I think, honestly, I think they're top four in the East. I think uh, Milwaukee is still ahead. Miami, depending on, I don't know what they're going to do with this KD trade. If they're trying to, if they're really serious on getting KD. But Miami, the way it's held up right now, they're better than Atlanta. Uh, Boston is better than Atlanta. And then I think it comes Atlanta, right? As far as the East. So I give them fourth, maybe fifth in the East, which is a jump up. Don't forget two years ago, they were in the, in the conference finals. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So a really hot Trey Young. I like the fact that you said like DeJounte doesn't have to worry about scoring. Even though he can't score, right? He can he can score, but he didn't he's not the primary scorer like he was gonna like he was in San Antonio. He doesn't have to do that. He can play defense, he can distribute the ball, he can do all the other things. That way Trey Young can just worry about scoring. It's gonna be a killer duo. I think it's a top three duo. In the NBA, honestly. A top three? Top, you think it's top. A top. I think it's a top three duo. Yeah. I, You know, this is the one piece that I feel like makes that team relevant. And and it's like, if this guy plays really well, then they are top, possibly top four in the East is John Collins. Because yeah. he's the guy, I think, in that mix. Like, to me... They only go as far as Collins goes. Like his ceiling is more important than Trey Young's because we know who Trey Young is. But if Collins is like an all-star type of talent, then I think the Jante Murray addition makes him so much stronger. Yeah, look they, for a lot of Murray to Collins alley oops. That yeah, like yeah. that show is that's gonna be crazy. Murray can throw that dime to Collins and Collins if he's healthy, if he can get his his legs back under him. 
he can jump out the gym, man. And Murray, yeah. Murray can, that's going to be a show to watch. But look, the other trade, and I think this is a bigger trade, was the insane amount of picks that were sent to Utah for, for the Minnesota Timberwolves to get Rudy Gobert. Where were you at on that trade? Did they give up too much? Did the Wolves win that trade? Does Utah win that trade? Is Gobert worth what they gave up for him? This is the rare trade. No, it's not rare. Because last year we had the Harden-Simmons trade where nobody win. This one, like both teams, this was horrible. This was horrible. For the Wolves to give up all that all that draft capital for this um, was crap. Like Gobert... I don't I don't know what the plan is. Like him and him and Carl Anthony Towns, I'm not sure how that is gonna look together, right? Carl Anthony Towns doesn't have to play defense good, he don't like to play defense. And I guess Rudy Gobert doesn't really have to play offense because he don't like to play offense either. So there's that. But I mean there's still both of them are still, you know, at, at those ends of the court, they're a liability, right? So you don't have to worry about guarding Gobert, you know, anywhere within like five feet of the basket. You don't have to worry. You can go through Carl Anthony Towns when you're on offense. Um, to give up that much, like, and that, to me, for reals, no doubt about it, that trade is the sole reason that nobody's traded for KD. And nobody's going to trade for KD. Because giving up that much for Rudy Gobert, how much do you have to give up for KD? Right? That's crazy. So, the Utah Jazz winning that. Now, what Utah's future is, I don't know. They look to be uh, getting rid of Spider too. They're trying to trade him. Uh, they've they've honestly ripped up everything. I hate when 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 organizations do this. When you're 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 kind of close, and if you like don't see yourself being a championship team the next year, let's blow it up and try again. Right, that instead of building up, building up, maybe next year we, we add this piece and this piece and we build up and to be a championship team, they're like they give it like three years and if those three years we don't see to be a championship team, then we're just gonna blow everything up. And that's what I feel Utah is doing right now. They're just gonna blow it up. They're about to trade Mitchell, I believe. Um, and they got rid of Gobert. Like they they coming into this season, this past season, like we all thought the Jazz were a legitimate team right they, they are a top three top four team in the west coming into this past season um so now like looking into that organization like they'll also be battling with the spurs as the worst team in the west the, the other tanking team yeah, trying to get that uh, that yeah i look i think uh, i had somebody else tell me that that trade was so stupid and set it set it up for other poor trades right or terrible trade honestly I think with regards to who they are, the Minnesota Timberwolves, what they've seen from their current team, right? That they are just like eked into the the um, playoffs and got into the playoffs. I think it's actually a genius move by the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think that it's genius only because I think Rudy Gobert is the piece that they are missing in the sense of like, they don't need other guys to dominate the ball, right? They already have a D'Angelo Russell. They have Edwards, who's going to get his shots, and they have Carl Anthony Towns. It's almost like there's no shots to go around anymore. So you don't need players that want shots. I think Rudy Gobert clogs up that 
that hole in the middle. I think they become much better defensively because I think he's gonna. I think he may have his highest rebounding and block shots totals in Minnesota because they're not gonna ask him to like be part of any part of the offense. I think they're just gonna ask him to kind of get out of the way, and I think it allows Colorado Anthony Towns to get those like we talk about Chet Holmgren those help blocks that are almost kind of like a spike in volleyball. Like it's kind of set up for you to get that block. I think Carl is going to get some of those. His job's going to be a lot easier. But this is also the pickup that I thought was really interesting. Well, I'll say one pickup that just happened, I believe, yesterday or this morning. Austin Rivers signed a one-year contract with the Wolves, which I don't like Austin Rivers, but he's a veteran guy. He's not terrible. Whatever. This is the piece that I thought that they got that was really interesting in this Gobert trade because they got him immediately after. They picked up Kyle Anderson in free agency. Slow-mo. Exactly. Who I think I could see them turning him into the point guard of that starting offense and moving D'Angelo Russell to shooting guard. And now you have a, a lineup of Kyle Anderson at the point with D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert. They're the biggest team in the league overnight. They will play defense because that's what Kyle Anderson does. I think that the Wolves are going to be much better than what we think they are. And this trade is going to end up being a lot bigger than what people are saying. I think, well, I mean, it, it, not, it depends. It's not they go they got traded for, but it's the thing that they need right now to kind of like, because I think after this, it's like, if you can't win with this team or get like progress significantly, then you blow this shit up. And you gotta get rid of like Carl Anthony Towns. Well, here here's my my pushback on that. Like it makes it makes them a better team, right? It makes them a better team. I think they go they were a playing team, and then they moved up. Now now to me they're like six or seven. But all that draft capital that you just gave up, that draft capital should have been towards a move to get you to be a championship contender team, right? So I don't think that that level of of what they gave up makes them a championship team for a Rudy Gobert. Yeah, I, and I'll say this: I think that it's because this is this is my thinking around them, and this is just obviously to justify that trade. Is if they're gonna bring in another person that's gonna make them a champ, like let's say a Kevin Durant, then I think they would have to give up Carl Anthony Towns anyway. Like you're not gonna be because they're already paying these guys so much money. You know, Anthony. I think personally. Anthony Edwards, John Morant, Luka Doncic are going to be the three main guys that we constantly see in the MVP races along with Giannis for for the next 10 years. But you're not going to be able to keep this whole... So somebody's got to go, and I think that that guy, when it happens, is going to be Carl Anthony Towns if they're going to bring somebody that really is going to get them over the hump. It's got to be somebody that's better than him. Oh yeah, you heard that sound. It is time for the Grito segment of the Puro Pinche Primos. Primo, I'm going to take this over. I've recently started getting into this guy. He is a pitcher at a Miami Marlins. And I know what you're saying, fans. I know what you're saying, Miami Marlins. Yeah, they actually have a good player, right? And this player is Sandy Alcantara. He is from the Dominican Republic. Shout out to my Dominicanos out there. Um, he is absolutely killing it 
in pitching right now. He's absolutely pitching. He is second in the league in ERA. He is top 10 in strikeouts. To me, the most impressive thing right now is he, he's got eight games where he's gone into the eighth inning or more. And in today's in today's game, like that is just unheard of, right? That is unheard of. He's got stuff. He can throw up to 110. He's got a killer slider. Sandy Alcantara is most likely going to be the starting pitcher for the National League in the All-Star game coming up. Primos and primas, if you have not heard about this dude, it is time to open your eyes and watch this dude. Sandy Alcantara, and it's not hard to find, right? He's six foot five standing on that mound. <laughs> he's young. He's yeah. 30 innings pitched. He yeah. got 130 innings pitched and 111 strikeouts already this season at the All-Star break. Yeah, man, this dude is legit. Like, he, to me... He could be the best pitcher this year. Like Cy Young is probably, in, especially in National League right now. Like Cy Young is is on this dude's radar. Give it to him already, barring any injuries or whatnot. Um, this dude is legit. Sandy Alcantara from the Dominican Republic pitching for the Miami Marlins. If you haven't heard of him, primos and primas, check him out. Watch him in next week's All Star game. This dude is legit. Shout out again, a grito <laughs> to Sandy Alcantara. And this week, to close out the week, we leave you with the uh, close out every episode of Puro Pinche Primos with a tapao of the week. And this week, oh my goodness, this week, tapao of the week. This is so sad. This is so sad. First lady, we were just talking about the formalities at Wimbledon. First lady, Jill Biden, who uh, visited San Antonio, Texas, our hometown, uh, this past week <laughs> to visit at a United Latino conference where she made comments about how unique all Latinos are and compared Latinos to breakfast tacos because of the wide popularity of breakfast tacos in San Antonio. No, Texas. she didn't do that. She didn't do that. You know she did. She didn't do that. Sometimes some people just try too hard. Here's the comment from First Lady Joe Biden. Of this community, as distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx, as beautiful as the blossoms of Miami, and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. The first thing that hits me from that one is the what from New York? What is she saying from New York? In case anybody was wondering what he meant to say was bodega. Or even could have gone away with bodega. But I don't know what to say. What is clear is that this lady did not know how to say it and was thinking about the spelling of the word as thing, which happens to all of us. But it doesn't happen when we're addressing the largest growing population in your country when you're the first lady. What is going on? So this week's the bow of the week goes to first lady Joe Biden. Be better. Well, that wraps up this week's show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Y'all make sure to like 
comment or review today's episode. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's Puro Pinche Primos. You can find us on all major podcast platforms or Google Puro Pinche Primos for our website on Captivate FM. We are the Puro Pinche Primos. Peace. Peace.